In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is from John 1, first verses. And in uh, verse 14, we, we get the punchline, which is the Christmas story, John's version of the Christmas story. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we've just uh, celebrated Christmas, and we got to experience this act of God bringing Jesus, the Word that was this mystery before, before any of the other creation, this mystery hidden in God, finally coming to the earth and coming to bring us salvation. And uh, if you've been following the, the, the sermons uh, that we've had here or just hear the Christmas story at home, you can think about how, how Christ was this amazing, had this amazing salvation effect on all of us, just coming here. And uh, I would even call him the greatest hero of all time. And uh, the sermon title is The Christmas Hero. And so uh, as we consider that, uh, I'm, I'm also going to just bring our minds to take us back to when Jesus was born and think about what what life was like for him at that time, uh, what world was he coming into, and what were the hero stories that people were hearing at that time? Uh, if Jesus was coming in as this great hero, uh, what, what, is, what do we compare that with? So uh, first one I want to talk about is Gilgamesh. Uh, they call him the, the hero par excellence of the ancient world. Uh, Gilgamesh was back in the he, he was actually a king in Mesopotamia, like where Abraham was born, around like 2500 B.C., 2800. Uh, by the time Abraham was born, a couple hundred years before, they'd written these epic poems about Gilgamesh on these clay tablets. And so this was the world Abraham was born into, and I'm sure uh, grew up with. And, of course, these stories resonated throughout all of the Middle East. So who was Gilgamesh? Well, he started out as this bad king, and they're like, we got to, like, the gods of, of the age were like, we got to send someone against him. So they created this wild man. And uh, I wrote this all down so I could remember because it's the words of the names are not. Anyway, it doesn't matter the name. But he, he wrestles against this wild man, and they end up becoming friends. So they set out together on these adventures. And one of them is they, they're, they're going off chopping trees in this forest, and this great ogre comes to attack them. And through their wits and their might and through the, the blessings of the gods, they end up killing this ogre, Humbaba. And uh, so they're using their wiles and their strength. And then they go and they, uh, one of these sub-gods uh, falls in love with him. And uh, he's like, no, I've, I've heard about you. So they send this bull of heaven to come kill him. And he ends up killing this bull. And it goes on and on. There's like five of these tablets, and I won't go into all of them, but, uh, but this, these are the kids, kind of the foundational hero stories that, uh, that were going on in those days. Um, more probably closer to where Jesus actually grew up, 
there's the Greek mythology. Uh, of, there was a story of Odysseus, which came later, probably about 800 B.C. And uh, the Romans in Jesus' day called him Ulysses. He's, uh, he was on some of the coinage that Jesus you know, and others around him would have, would have been spending. And uh, he's, that's a long, if you haven't read the, the Iliad uh, by Homer, it's very long and, and drawn out, and I'm sure uh, my daughter would love the story because it's full of adventure, and she's all into Greek mythology and whatnot these days. A uh, few highlights, like the crew, uh, they eat this fruit on an island, which tricks them into forgetting about their homes, and here they are trying to get home after this 10-year this, uh, like Trojan War. And so, you know, he has the wits to not eat the fruit, and he forcefully drags them all back to the boat. Uh, another time, they get trapped on an island with this cyclops giant and other beings, and, and uh, they're trapped, and he tricks the cyclops. Uh, he, he basically blinds the cyclops, and he says, who are you? And he says, my name is Nobody. And so when the other ones come to say, who, who did this to you? He says, nobody did this to me. They're like, oh, okay. So they don't pursue, and then they sneak out on the bellies of sheep and get away. And the stories go on and on. Incredible feats of courage and adventure. And, of course, uh, these were the stories being told uh, in the villages next, next door to Jesus. Well, by Jesus' day, it was the Greco-Roman period. So the Romans had the rule uh, but they were high, heavily influenced by the Greek thought, right? So now you have the stories like Hercules and Perseus. Hercules was on the, the, the denarius coin in Jesus' day. So when we talk about them spending the money that they were spending, that was it. That, so this is how prevalent. So Jesus may not have been told these stories by Mary and Joseph at night, but he certainly knew them and heard them. And in fact, they were all around in their whole uh, society. And Hercules, uh, you may be more familiar with him, but he had like 12 labors. He had to kill the nine-headed hydra. Uh, He captured the Cretan bull. He cleaned, I don't know about this one, was he cleaned the Aegean stables in one day? I thought that would be an interesting labor. (laughs) It must have been big stables and a very messy job. And then we think about, uh, what about the Egyptian stories? And uh, there's... There's just as many exciting stories from there. And what about all the other stories from the other you know, parts of the Middle East? And if you've ever read uh, 1001 Arabian Nights, uh, which I have, and it's great, a great read. It's, it's actually amazing. Uh, and, and they say that that book was you know, finally kind of put to ink much later after Jesus. But they were, it was the oral tradition. These stories were told. We've got all these great stories. Uh, the, the premise of it is there's this awful king who is betrayed by his uh, queen and kills her, and then he's like, that's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry a new virgin every day and then kill her at the, in the morning, and ev- that's going to be it. And so the, the people are freaking out, and they're like, okay, here, we'll, let's uh, bring our most wily, best storyteller, Scheherazade, to come and, and tell him uh, to keep him occupied and see if she can figure out what to do. And so her strategy is is that she starts telling this amazing story, and it's like, oh, I'm so tired, i got to go to bed. And she goes to bed, and then he wakes up, and he's like, I don't want to kill her yet, because I want to know the end of the story. And it goes on, and she tells a thousand and one of these nights' worth of stories. And these are stories that I'm sure a lot of them you are familiar with, Aladdin, 
uh, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, you know, where he says, you know, open sesame. Uh, you've got the, the seven voyages of Sinbad, and there's, all, there's seven of them. So these stories are passed on uh, for centuries, and this is, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think Mary and Joseph were probably telling these stories to Jesus at night. I, I imagine they were telling more Jewish stories, but they were still around him. And actually, some of the Jewish stories that he probably was told at night were probably not necessarily what we would think of as, uh, well, let's just say they were, they were, there were some aggressive stories. Uh, the, the Maccabees, the, you know, 1st uh, and 2nd Maccabees are two books of the Bible that in our, our Protestant circles, we don't really include them in our Bible, but the Catholics do, and other, other traditions have these books. And basically, it was, you know, almost not quite 200 years before Jesus was born that, uh, that Egypt came in, Antiochus, uh, he basically, you know, came in and said, you guys aren't allowed to, you know, we're going to kill you if you keep your Jewish faith anymore. And he basically ruined the temple, put a statue of Zeus in there, and, and so, like, this was like, the Jews were upset, and for two years they, they tried to plot and figure out ways to change the situation. And finally, in um, 165 B.C., two years later, they basically used violence got in and took over the temple again. And that's the story of uh, Hanukkah because they had only one vial of olive oil that wasn't uh, tainted. And so that one vial had to last for eight days and it did miraculously. That's why the Hanukkah menorah has eight candles on it. And that's called the Festival of Lights. And I tell you that because we know from reading the scriptures that Jesus celebrated the Festival of Lights and the other festivals. These were the stories that he grew up on. And so, there's a theme I'm hoping you're seeing here, that all these hero stories I've given you so far involve a lot of, a lot of power, a lot of strength, some cunning, uh, violence, and uh, Jesus was a pretty different kind of hero than that. And that's really where this, this sermon is going, if you haven't figured it out. So, if you think about what the Jews in Jesus' day were, were hoping for, for the, from the Messiah, they were really excited about the Messiah, uh, this coming Christ. Uh, Christ is just another word for Messiah. That's the Greek for it. And um, I'll just read you one, one passage, Isaiah 66, verse 14. Uh, and this is just one of those prophecies, you know, among many about what's it going to be like when this Messiah comes. And this is what they're expecting. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people, and many will be those slain by the Lord. So they're expecting these passages like these that are tied to this, this Messiah. They're expecting some sort of violent, strong, uh, someone with a sword coming in and and taking care of business. And, of course, we didn't get that. Uh, but, you know, we love a good story, a hero story today. Uh, my, my son, Joshua, nine years old, brought a Spider-Man book to church th- today. And, uh, I mean, why not? Spider-Man, great hero, right? I mean, he's out to save the day and, 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 and all that. Our modern-day superheroes, actually, uh, if you trace them, most of them can be traced back to some of these earlier 
heroes. In fact, some have wondered that, you know, maybe some of this was inspired by stuff that, you know, even biblical times kind of heroes. Uh, and yet, why, why was this hero of Jesus so different? I would, I would say that this was God's most amazing act in all time of, of bringing a hero to us, somebody who can come and actually save us. And it was such a completely different approach. And the passage I want us to, to, to dwell on today is in 1 Corinthians, and uh, it's chapter 1 and verses 22 uh, and following. So if you do want to turn somewhere, this is uh, really where I'm going to pick up uh, the scripture for the day. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. The Jews demand signs, and the Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So you can, you can see here, you know, the, the, the theme, you know, the... The Jewish people are looking for someone to come with some strength and to come with some big miracles and signs. And Jesus, even when he did that in front of them, it was too small for them. They wanted more. And even on the day that they, they, they took him to court, they're like, well, prove, prove to us. And he's like, no, I've already, I've already done enough. That's, uh, that's not going to change anything. You know, that's what they think they need. And then the Greeks couldn't accept Jesus because it was... Uh, he wasn't cunning enough. He wasn't wise enough. He, he was born poor, and he died poor. And, uh, and he died young, and he didn't really get his movement going very far in the process. So all those around him really struggled with this figure because he wasn't strong, and he wasn't wise, not like Odysseus. That's the kind of hero that we admire, in our, and, and that's the kind of hero we, we hope for. But if you think about how God has worked through all of, this, all of Scripture and all of history, God chooses the meek to work through, those with, uh, with difficult or awful circumstances. He, usually chooses, he often chooses the least in society. Uh, if you think about, uh, you know, throughout, throughout Scripture, there are so many mentions, like Rahab the prostitute or... Uh, choosing Gideon, who was the least of all the Benjamites, and he was hiding in his vat of uh, wheat press. He was afraid and hiding, and the angel was trying to say, hey, no, no, we called you. He's like, no, no. (laughs) And so God has chosen these people throughout all of history to work these amazing acts of strength, and yet... uh, those were the people that God chose because that's how God could make himself known. So you think of Gideon, and it ends up being the story where he gets this army together of uh, tens of thousands of, of men against 200,000 uh, the Philistines, and God's like, no, cut it down. So he says, all right, anyone who wants to leave can leave, and it cuts down. He's like, ah, uh, we need to cut it down further, and he, and he keeps whittling it down until it's just a couple of hundred people. And, uh, and they use their, he uses some cunningness and God's inspiration and God's spirit 
and basically they take on this entire army. And God's wanted to do that. The whole reason, the, the, the line that we read about why God did that was because he wanted to show that it was, because, it was through that power and not through the might of what the people had done. So this is how God acts. And God has continued to do that today and all the way up to us. So us in this room, looking around here, this is, this is uh, the Christmas story is still true. That God uh, is actually working in this way that is meek. And it doesn't need to look like much to get started. And as we heard last week, for those who, were, who heard the sermon, uh, you know, God came through the shepherds, the poorest of the poor. And, God, and, and Jesus was, was meek and humble in that way. And, and when Jesus finally said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off, he says, well, you guys are, are going to pick up where I left off. You are the body, right? I'm the head, you're the body. So basically, keep, keep, keep doing this stuff that I've started. So no matter what our circumstances are, Basically, this, this is a place to give us hope of actually we can, we can actually keep, keep with this uh, theme of God actually doing amazing things through humility. And uh, I'm going to read you in, uh, my favorite Christmas song, uh, for the words anyway, is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Probably my favorite for the, the tune is Feliz Navidad, but that's not really uh, <laughs> scriptural. <laughs> And, and so the last two verses, I'm going to read those. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. So it changes the the metaphor. At the beginning, it's like, okay, a little town of Bethlehem, that's the the little town he was born in. But the song changes by the end to become... We're like that little town of Bethlehem. And just like that little Jesus could be born in that little town, we get to have that Jesus being born in us. You know, Bethlehem, we, uh, we, we know it well because of the songs and the stories, but it was just kind of some small shepherd town next to the real place where things were happening. And it was just a few miles away from the big mountain and Mount, uh, Mount where, where the, the temple was, and Jerusalem, and the city, and all the most important people, including the, all the high priests, as well as the king, and, and everyone. That, that, was, that was the spot. That was the place. And actually, Jerusalem continues throughout all of history to be the sought-after place to take over. Uh, and there's great movies about it that show, I mean, this is, it's changed hands back and forth and back and forth. There's like synagogues and temples and uh, churches and, and uh, you know, the, the mosques. I mean, they're all kind of like vying for this place. And nobody cares about Bethlehem. It's this little shepherd town. And that's the beauty of it, right? 
We are like Bethlehem. This amazing hero, this greatest hero of all time, can actually be born in us, and we can actually live in the same way, in the same kind of heroic lives. That's actually the miracle of, of Jesus' birth. That, that 1 Corinthians passage I started, there's, that, there's a great verse in uh, verse 27. It says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So there's good news for us today. God's salvation for the world happened through this uh, most humble of heroes. And his way is foolish and weak. And it's not about wealth, power, or worldly wisdom. And we do love those, those stories, but uh, the path of the disciple, the path of actually being, becoming that town of Bethlehem ourselves, is, is the path of actually very humbly opening our hands and saying, all right, I'll take, I'll take what you got. It's not about riches and education and, and muscles. It's about being humble and accepting and, and following in a simple way. We don't have to be Hercules, thank God. We have to be ourselves. And, of course, be open to the Savior who comes humbly. We, we definitely have a God who, who does things differently. This, his approach is, is, is kind of upside down. The last are first. The meek are blessed. And in order to gain your life, you have to lose it. It's a, it's a posture change. Uh, we, we think about uh, you know, fighting our way to the, to the top. Uh, and instead, it's a slower, calmer, quieter story, and it takes a long time, and, uh, and it takes a lot of patience. So last night, uh, I was at a dinner party, and uh, at one point, someone was telling this story about this friend of theirs who'd made all these millions and was kind of like awing everyone at the table with these stories. And and then, you know, uh, one of the kind of convenient things about preaching, you know, in the morning was people were, you know, asked me some question about, what are you up to? And I was like, well, I'm preaching a, a sermon tomorrow. And they're like, oh, really? What is it about? So they got the three-minute version of this sermon. And, uh, and it was interesting because I was uh, coming out of this other story of what seems like this amazing feat in our world's eyes and then going into this really humble story where it's like, I'm talking about some of the greatest heroes of all time before Jesus' day, and then talking about how Jesus is such a different hero. Uh, he came humbly, came as a child to poor people who were on the run for their lives and uh, that had to, had to leave their home and run away to Egypt. This kind of poor lifestyle. And yet that's uh, the, the actual most amazing thing, is that God actually brought salvation to this world through, through this humility and it was interesting just to, to, to see the difference between those two stories and, and how stark it is. Because, you know, at a dinner party, it's easy to get swept into those kinds of stories and go, wow, that's so great. That's exciting. I, oh, man. You know, part of me wants, like, a piece of that, millions of dollars, you know. Like. But that's not what the actual true heroic journey is about. So uh, today, uh, Michelle and I are celebrating our 12-year anniversary. And... Uh, I can tell you right now that when, when I watch romance movies online, <laughs> they don't really resemble what we've gone through. 
they're exciting and fun, these movies online. They're about when people first meet. It doesn't talk about the long suffering, the sticking it out, the patience, the humility, the sacrifice. That's a different kind of hero. It's a humble kind of hero. It's not a... I mean, if I hadn't even mentioned it, you wouldn't know it's our 12-year anniversary. It's just kind of another day that passes. It's, it's, just, it's, this, uh, it's this different path that God has for us. And it, and it, and it takes work. But it's beautiful because what God wants to do is take all the things that he's gifted us with the most, the, the areas that, uh, that he's designed us for, and actually be our best with them, uh, just like, like he did with Jesus, and, and to take the, the giftedness that we've got and make that a gift to, to the rest of the world. And that's our way of actually contributing to being the hands and feet, is to live out our lives in this maybe less grandiose way. Maybe it's, it's not slaying some cyclops, but uh, it's, it's important. It's, a part, it's actually the, the follow-up. It's the continuation of the Christmas story. This is where it goes. It leads here to this room with us. And I just want you to, to think for a moment. As we're coming into the new year, uh, we have a year ahead of us, and God has put on all of us, on our hearts, something that, uh, that is our way of blessing those around us, blessing the world this year. Just think about that for a minute. Sir, is there some way that, that God is, is excited to use you this year and to continue this ministry, this Christmas ministry of blessing those around in a humble way? So hopefully you've, you've had some ideas come to your mind. And I invite you to share those with each other after we uh, finish this, uh, this time together. I, one of the things that I find really exciting uh, as I get into New Year's is I, I usually do some sort of goal setting or, uh, you know, like this year I, with one of my best friends, uh, we both sat down, five things I want to learn this year and five things I want to accomplish this year. And it was Nothing was like massive and grandiose, but it was a reflection of that question of like, well, what is God doing in your heart right now? Where is he leading? And, and the reality is, is if we can have some, some, some diligence and some discipline and some patience and walk in this path, continue this path that Jesus had, where we have this open-handed, receptive approach to, to accepting and, and welcoming in the dear Christ, just like the little town of Bethlehem did, I think we'll find that we can actually make a bigger difference in this world than, than we may know. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that uh, for, the, for the words of that song, that you, uh, just like the little town of Bethlehem, can come in and be with us and, and, and lead us in a way that's just really far more heroic than, uh, than we could conjure ourselves. Help us to be resistant against the messages we hear around us that, that, uh, that we need to be strong or powerful or wise or wealthy in order to make a difference or in order to achieve things in our lives. Help us to be able to be as, as wise as you are, your foolishness, 
and to be as strong as you are in your weakness. And help us to be able to welcome in the Christ as the little town of Bethlehem did. And we bless this morning and we thank you for the gift of Christ and the salvation he brings. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.